are now listening to The Awakened Soul. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 40 of The Awakened Soul. That's episode 40 y'all, we done made it 40 episodes in, but nonetheless, I want to welcome you guys to The Awakened Soul, hosted by Urban Mogul Life. I am excited for this week's show because we have the second best podcast in the world, that is The Andrew Bello. Yeah, I did say second best Andrew, but nonetheless, I love you. Uh, That's my brother Andrew, me and him are here to talk some Marvel. Um, Specifically though, the majority of the podcast is a review to for jessica jones season two this is going to be a fun one um what do you guys think about the kickback i'm still off a high from all the feedback and everything i've gotten from the kickback that that was a completely experimental episode but one that the response has just been amazing and overwhelming and first of all poindexter who uh basically is the the chief here at, at urban mogul life sent me a response to it just letting me know how he felt about it that was nothing less than humbling uh so it, shout out point Dexter to you i'm glad you enjoyed it it means a lot coming from you um someone who i know puts in a lot of work and getting podcasts done and a, a visionary uh he, he has big goals with podcasts and then ideas and stuff so shout out to you um because it, it it i i just love it. i love it i love it i love it i i can't i love podcasting this podcasting thing is just taking me so far. I've gotten to meet so many great people. Like I said, one of those is Andrew Bello. Um, but yeah, this is this is going to be a fun episode. So it's it's a lot more breaking breaking down uh, the state of the MCNU, which is the Marvel Cinematic Netflix Universe. If that's what we're calling it, that's what we call it here at the Awakened Soul, as coined by Andrew Bello. Uh, so, but before we break that down, you know what we got, what we have to get into. Even though we missed a couple weeks of, so we got to get into the minor haze. So we're gonna get into our intro music on the other side of that. We're gonna peek into my dark, dark, twisted mind. The Awakened Soul. soul. Alright, beautiful people. I'm I've listen, even though I have not missed a week of podcasting, I have not been able A the nature of the kickback which took so long to complete and edit. I haven't really been able to get into a lot of the feedback you guys have been sending me or messages a lot of you guys back or read a lot of the emails because the emails have been coming through crazy but well i'm not going to break down I, I may do it at the end of the next episode is re- read a lot of the emails i've been getting but i want to say thank you to everyone who send in feedback ideas the interaction has just been crazy and crazier as this podcast continues to grow um even before the kickback so i just want to thank you uh and while i'm not reading them all right now i want to uh, send out thank yous like i said to everyone who uh who sent in anything but as we go into the mind of haze, which is a dark, dark, twisted place, um, the first thing coming out of my mind is the prime two. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I, we, it will be a review on it. I'm waiting on uh, Johnny and Ralph as they were both big fans of the original Prime album as I was. But 
I tried to get it done for this episode. Didn't end up coming through. So we'll we'll get that content to you. But let let me know. I want because now we have the nature where we uh, are going to be doing the review a little bit later than what I wanted to. It's going to be some time for me to get feedback from a lot of you guys and listeners. So anyone who's listening to Prime 2, I'm looking uh, for your thoughts on it. Did it live up to what the first Prime did? Uh, how did you guys feel about it? Send that in. Let me know. We will read that on the next review. Um, also, the Breaks Radio, for any of you guys who turned in, who tuned in live to that, is now on iTunes and all the podcasting platforms. So look out for that as we continue to to do content there. It's that it's our once a month podcast. The meat of it's going to be live, especially live on iHeartRadio. So look on look out for that. That's just a huge venture uh, with me, Johnny, and Ralph from Oversaturated. So. We're all excited about that. We're going to be rotating who's actually hosting and coming up with ideas for that episode. So that's going to keep that one fresh. It's going to be unique. And we're also going to make sure it feels completely different from both the Awakened Soul and Oversaturated, the podcast. So uh, just just added content, more more stuff on my plate as well. But, you know, podcasting is the labor of love and you guys seem to like what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep doing it at the level and the highest level that I can. The next item that we have is seven seconds. I finally finished seven seconds this past weekend. I have some, it's going to, I don't want out of the mind, in the mind, I keep, I still haven't settled on the name for this segment, Um, but I don't want it to keep being a preview of what's to come, but I I, I would not be doing that show justice and, um, and everything if I, if I just really recapped it here. So it's going to be a review on that as well. You may even get to to hear. Uh, you know what? I won't even tease it. I, w- I won't tease it. I'm gonna leave. I'm just gonna sit that there. But it, it will be a review for it. It's gonna. It, it's my review. My take on this show is going to be in line with what a lot of people think. But it's also gonna p- piss a lot of people uh, off probably too because I I have some hot takes on that. So seven seconds though. I I didn't know what to expect. It was it was a good show. That first episode hooked me. Probably like not not like a first episode of a show's done since the first episode of Walking Dead. Um, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that show, and I and I can't wait to talk about it uh, more. The next item on Out of the Mind of Haze is whew, listen. As we're forty episodes in, right? And so as as we just keep doing more and more content and more and more episodes and and everything that the Awakened Soul is doing and the listener interaction. We're preparing for our first live show. It's going to be in Chicago. Um, we're, we're trying to make it an event, so we're trying to get a few other podcasts involved in as well. If I do it, more than likely Johnny and Ralph's going to do it. I'll try to get Andrew Bello to come. Uh, I don't know uh, if he'll be able to, but it's it's going to happen. It's going to be a big deal. Um, it's it's I'm trying to I'm working out the kinks now. Like I said, it's, it's far with the other podcasts who are going to be able to to join in and like I, if i do it if i do a live show it's going to have to be something that this is not just me something that you know because the waking soul is built upon its guests i have different guests every week and i and i want those guests especially the ones that have their own podcasts and platforms i want them to be able to take a part in it as well and some may ask why chicago when i'm living in columbus ohio johnny and ralph are in st louis but you know i Looking at the matrix, a lot of my listeners, i.e. a lot of the listeners are in Chicago, but as well as my dad's from Chicago. So that's that city holds a special place to me. Um, so it, it's 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 going to be an event. It's it's going to be major. I'm already the after party 
everything. I'm just I'm wrapping my head around this whole live show idea and how I want to execute it. And if it goes the way that I want it to go, I'm telling you, it's not another live show that's been done like it. Um, so, and that that that's that's hats off to you guys. That's, I I wouldn't have even been able. Hell, I've been podcasting for over two years, and I haven't even really thought about firm plans for doing a uh, a live show until I did the Awakened Soul, and that is part of you guys and and how you're calling for it and the messages I've been getting asking for it. So, hell, if there's a if there's a demand for it, I, I've gotten so many messages saying, "Look, if you do a live show, I'm there." So we're going to be pulling those cards. We're going to see how there you guys are really going to be, um, because if this is going to be what sets the tone. This is what's going to decide if we do one again. Fame Black, I'm going to try to get Fame to come, because if you guys think Fame's entertaining listening to him, Fame Black, Fame Black Live is a completely different beast. Um, so, yeah, it, it's 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 going to happen. Um, more than likely, I'm trying to get it done. Um, this spring is, is too soon, but maybe the end of summer. Beginning of fall is is probably when it's going to go down, but we're going to see. And that's if that that's just the big live show. I think being oversaturated, talking about doing something in St. Louis before then as well. Um, so there, there's a couple things in the works, but no matter what we do, it's going to be big. We're going to do it big. But that's enough from the mind of Hayes. We're going to go ahead and get into some more music. On the other side of that, me and Bello are going to talk some general Marvel, and then we're going to get into the the Jessica Jones review after that. So I'll see you guys on the other side. All right, people, welcome to the Awakened Soul. We are doing a Jessica Jones review, and when I was sitting back thinking about who I wanted to invite on here to do this review. Uh, I first I reached out to Gerald L. Cooper. He was not available. Um, next, I called on Jesus. Jesus said, "I'm not watching that show." Um, so that that just left the Andrew Bello. Andrew, what's going on? <laughs> well, quite quite a steam company to be in. Uh, I guess I could take the call after Jesus. But how did Gerald jump Jesus? We're gonna have to have a conversation about what Gerald's doing behind the scenes to get these kinds of uh, accolades. But nonetheless, Ben, happy to be here. Happy I was third on the list, and I'm happy that the first two people. Uh, refuse to to join your show <laughs> well i mean i'm pretty sure coop is older than jesus so i mean that's why he oh uh, <laughs> no, <poor> d- <laughs> well, did, did you his lecture uh that whole thing he did at the end of the kickback which i don't even know if most people heard or not was just hilarious so shout out to gerald l cooper for anyone who didn't Absolutely. know that was him that shit was hilarious um he has he has that annoyed dad voice down so well it's ridiculous <laughs> we we know the feeling yeah we're, we're there. <laughs> exactly but bello man we are here to talk about a, a, a mutual interest that we share uh on top of wrestling and podcasting in general we are both definitely marvelites um but before we get into jessica jones i i want to talk about some of the marvel news to come out and a i've still not seen the infinity war trailer so i so any spoilers anything out of that we're not going to get into but chris evans is officially done being Captain America after the fourth Avengers movie. What, what, what are your thoughts about this? How, how do you feel about it? Do you think that that necessarily means he has to die? What's going on in the mind of Andrew Bello? I, I can't imagine anybody else picking up. Uh, well, I could see people picking up the shield and kind of playing that role moving forward, but I can't imagine anybody else like filling in the role of Steve Rogers at this point. It's so just synonymous with Chris Evans. And while I 
personally like on you know like the chris evans the person i think is sort of a, a shitty snowflake but uh <laughs> captain america uh has been just a, a, an integral part of this whole franchise i do think he's gonna probably die in uh one of the next two big avengers movies uh but I- i'm interested to see where they go with that i mean there's definitely plenty to expand upon from there i won't get into there is there's like a moment in the trailer that involves him and that's all i'll tell you because i don't want to ruin too much for you well no and i frankly, think that's i think that's been ruined for me as well um something about him and thanos thank that by the way shout out to johnny and ralph which i sent them a picture from the trailer and kind of was just like why are his eyes glowing and johnny just immediately after me specifically saying i know nothing from this trailer said oh yeah he's fighting thanos oh well thank you for that but, but go ahead Bolo. Well, yeah, there is a moment in the trailer where the two interact. Again, I don't want to go too far into it. And everyone I know has like some sort of opinion about it. I have people in my office that are big fans as well, and they seem to think it could go one way. I think it'll go the other. Uh, I do think Steve Rogers meets his demise uh, either in Infinity War or the movie after or maybe even somewhere in between sort of rather unceremoniously uh, because obviously there'll be other movies in there. But it's sort of sad to see. Uh, but, you know, the harsh reality is, is that all of these actors that we've known over the last 10 years that have played these roles, they're getting older. Like, not that Chris Evans is, is you know, an old fart at this point, but, like, imagine Robert Downey Jr. still trying to play Iron Man 10 years from now. Like, it, it just, it would look weird, and eventually Captain America would get to that point. So, it's sad, but it's reality. And if we want the MCU to go on for another 10 years, these types of things are going to have to happen. What, what did you think about this news? I mean... Here's the thing is that, um, and this was going to be a question that I asked you, but um, everyone kind of, Robert Downey Jr. is looked at as Tony Stark. Like, there's almost no separation between them. Um, Chris Evans has reached that, but I I personally hold Chris Evans in in higher regard because Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark isn't Tony Stark in the comics at all. He just came in and he was... He was Robert Downey Jr., and they just made that fit the character, whereas Chris Evans became Cap from the comics. Um, so I really, like I, I, like you, I can't imagine anyone else playing this role. It's going to happen eventually, but um, I was saddened by it. Like, it, it, you've seen, I, and I think with a lot of people, especially the ones who've been within the first, the, since phase one, like, I, you're, you're attached to a lot of these actors. Um, and Chris Evans has been in a Marvel movie Every year, in some type of cameo or other fashion, since he was cast as Captain America. He technically has more appearances in any movies, even though a lot of them are short, just cameos, than any other character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's going to definitely be weird not having him around. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I think I think somebody, obviously, they've kind of laid the groundwork within the MCU, within the storyline, that, like, Bucky or, or Sam could just as easily pick up the shield and roll forward. They could even come up with somebody else if they wanted to entirely, but Steve Rogers, I mean, has been the, the, the heart, really, of the MCU in so many ways. I mean, that that's literally the character, is that he's heart, all heart. And he just happened to have these powers bestowed upon him because he had the heart. That's why he was selected to begin with. And he's always been the voice of reason. And uh, in, in some respects, uh, you know, just kind of like the stalwart conscious, uh, conscience rather of the group. And, it, you know, I'm very intrigued to see him in Wakanda and all that kind of stuff, you know, from from the little bit that's been out there. But I, I, I hope they don't do him dirty, man. Like, I just I want Cap to go out nobly. I want it to have purpose. I'm sure it will. But. 
I, I do obviously worry when you write off a character in any show, there's any number of stupid directions that somebody could take with it. And, you know, like Cap, Cap should go out valiantly and he should go out on his shield, uh, you know, a la Leonidas from 300. <laughs> well, yeah. And the thing is, is that really when you look at it is that they've set up Captain America perfectly to be the person who dies. And I'm I'm still straddling the fence on if I think. It's, I think it's, it has to be him or Iron Man. It may be both of them. Maybe they both die in separate films, and that's kind of how we send off that old guard. But when you think about the story that they told with Cap, he was the, the kid from Brooklyn who rose up to become the superhero and the leader of the biggest superheroes. He's currently um, an outlaw of, 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 of America. And for him to die, not only defending his country, but the world, the universe, in a sense, against Thanos kind of makes sense in the, in what they've told with him. Like you've, 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 you've made him an outlaw. You made him a renegade and he still dies holding up the ideals of America. That's what he bases everything on, on those ideas he had back in the day. So I, 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 they can, if they execute it well, which I have no reason to believe that they won't, this could be one of the best cinematic deaths as far as like most meaningful, really probably ever. And, and I don't mean that by hyperbole at all. Like, really, when you think about what he means to this movie universe, to have him die, and it, depending on the way that they do it, I can't really think of anything that would be as big as that. Yeah, I can't, like, really come up with a, with a similar example other than, and not to jump universes, but this is going to feel very much like if Bruce Wayne actually died at the end of the dark night, you know, like when, when they kick off the next movie and there's a big statue of Batman in the middle of, of the police department in Gotham. And it's going to feel just like that because Batman very similarly was an outlaw, you know, died or whatever the case may be. And they, they come back into it where he is the hero. And even though he kind of went out on his back, uh, you know, ultimately, like they 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 realized that he was really uh, a noble and and good character for them to all be looking up to and that kind of thing. Or maybe it was the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, pardon me, uh, but yeah, that that whole thing. It just I think it's going to be like that, except the character's actually going to be dead, uh, which is you know a little bit obviously more heart wrenching. And uh, it, it's it's going to suck, man. Honestly, I'm looking at Infinity War. I'm thinking like no less than three big characters die and like not big characters. Like it's not going to be Thor, Iron Man and Captain America, but I'm thinking there's going to be multiple deaths. And frankly, in order to lay the groundwork for the level of devastation that Thanos is supposed to be bringing to Earth, multiple people have to die. Like they just have to in order. Otherwise, it's like, oh, everyone survived this, you know, universe ending apocalypse. Uh, that's just really convenient. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because that was the next thing that I was going to go into, and that that is I'm going to call this the Deadpool <laughs> for for just nice. a jab at another at another Marvel universe. But who do you think is going to die in this movie? I, I'll, I'll lead off with my list. I think I think it's going to be either Cap or Tony. Um, I think it's going to be Loki, and I think Pepper Potts. I think that those are the three deaths we're going to get in Infinity War. What about you? I could I could see Pepper definitely was going to make my list. Um, I, I think probably at least one of the Guardians. I'll go with Gamora uh, just because of you know her relationship with Thanos. I think something will happen in there in that way. Um, but there's I mean any number of other people could die. There's also kind of like the lesser you know sort of characters like. Uh, like I said, Sam could pick up the shield, but Sam could just as easily go. I mean, what what role could Sam really play in this fight? You know, I mean, what what is he going to do with these wings up against uh, this massive juggernaut with all of these cosmic gems that can control time and space and 
energy and all that kind of stuff. It just seems like that would be it. That would be an easy one for them to just kind of clip Falcon out of the picture altogether because he's sort of not on the tier that the rest of them are. And uh, that that's one I could see happening as well. But um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I think multiple people are going to go. It's going to be really sad. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they leave enough people around for the next 10 years of the MCU for it to be interesting. And and, uh, and ultimately, obviously, anybody who dies in Infinity War, we're probably never going to get to see them rub up against the X-Men at some point down the road. So that's going to be co- sort of sad, too. Hopefully they keep that in mind as they, you know, as they decide who or I'm sure they've decided already who's going to who's going to get you know bumped off in this particular uh, chapter, I guess in the mcu yeah and that's that's another thing because uh to go back to chris evans like cap and wolverine have a yep. relationship in the comics that goes back decades and to, i w- always wanted to see those two actors together to think that they're both finally when these universes are coming together they're both probably going to be off the board it's just wild just wild um yeah yeah i mean anything left I, I know this is the jessica jones review but i mean it's all marvel anything left any speculation anything you want to get out there or, or discuss before we get into this jessica jones review no i'm, I'm trying to there was one other person i could i, I i'm thinking is going to die and now i'm like completely blanking on them but uh, pepper's the pepper is the big one i She's really gone. feel like that's gonna pepper's be crucial gone. yeah and i don't think Gwyneth paltrow really had longevity in the mcu anyway there was like a period of time where it looked like she wasn't coming back and then they kind of threw her back in at the end of homecoming and you know now she's back in the fold and engaged to tony and all that kind of stuff but uh, i think tony suffering uh, like a massive loss like that i mean think of all the iron man movies they tease basically that she's in trouble like all of them and he is at his most frantic and panicked obviously when she's in danger for him to actually lose her uh, would would almost be as bad as that scene that he sees in Ultron with like everybody dead. Like the whole world doesn't really exist for Tony without Pepper. So everyone might as well die, and that's going to create a very angry and and you know vulnerable to some degree Tony Stark. And that's something we don't see a ton of in long spurts. So if she dies and then you know Avengers four rolls around and Iron Man's still alive. That Tony Stark is going to be very different than any Tony Stark we've ever seen again for any long length of time, and that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, development for him as well. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited, dude. I'm so I'm just so pumped for Infinity War. But you were saying this is more about Jessica Jones. Let, let's dive into that, dude. Yeah, let, let's let's uh, we're going to take a, be- a brief musical break, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk Jessica Jones season two. All right, Andrew, it's time to do what we came here to do, and that is talk about Jessica Jones. I'm going to start. I'm going to bury the lead. I think that this and it's yes, it's low on action, but I think this was the best written of the Netflix shows thus far. What what, what are your before we like I said, before we get into depth, what are your just your quick hits on uh, Jessica Jones season two? No, you're right. This is definitely the best written, the most nuanced of all of the Marvel seasons that they've done on Netflix. Uh, There was. A, a lack of action, definitely, but there was also really a lack of a true enemy in this season, which was kind of cool. Um, it started off with the hunt of the IGH people, and then we discover who they are or who's at the center of that, and they turn out to not be so bad. There is an immense amount of shades of gray in this season, but much like season one, uh, it's all, for me personally, all about Jessica and all about Trish and all about that relationship developing, and season two gave me more than I could have even hoped for in that respect. 
and we didn't really get to where I was hoping we'd get to with Trish until like the last second of the last episode, and it was still compelling all the way through. So um, overall, I thought this was just as good, if not as good as the first season. Uh, certainly different, uh, but the first season of Jessica Jones didn't necessarily have a lot of action either. It was a lot of kind of psychological thriller with Kilgrave in the mix, and this time it's her dealing with not only uh, her dealing real more more with inner demons and her inability to really have comfortable relationships with the people around her as and and all of that stems from her relationship with Kilgrave so a lot going on here not so much action like if you were looking for a daredevil season two type season out of season two for Jessica Jones you most certainly didn't get that but at, at the same time I thought it was just compelling from beginning to end what what did you think about all this I mean you hit the nail on the head that there wasn't a a villain like overall i think that this what the message in this was is that a lot of these characters they're their own villain they're their own worst enemy yes that's very well put yeah and i mean when you it, it this is a show this is a show that has someone with superpowers but the real theme of this show is addiction is uh um trauma and, and and just dealing with things like this show and that's why i say it's the most well written and i hear a lot of people complaining and like I, i've been in and out of message boards not reddit because i, I need to get back into oh, the yeah. reddit but i haven't been in reddit um but uh and people just complaining about the season and some people even saying that it's the worst one yet and i'm like that's because you go into it and you know that there's powered people and i think people go into it expecting it to be one thing but if they if this let's take away the marvel let's take away the jessica jones character and if this was just a show that was presented this would be like a breaking bad type hit i think this would be one of those shows that people may be slow to get onto, but once they do it's so addictive like it it best written show on netflix so far i mean of the marvel show so far yeah absolutely it's almost sort of like um in some respects kind of like legion uh, which a lot of people Ooh, slept on. I amazing. thought season one of Legion was was fantastic, but it's kind of got that dark feel. It's much more, like I said, more like psychological than it is about the powers, even though in Legion you get a fair amount of that, and, and obviously you get some in Jessica here, especially with the wizard. The wizard was awesome. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you get you get sort of tied up in, like you said, some people get tied up in the powers and the, the superhero over-the-top uh, apocalyptic battle scenes and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jessica Jones has never needed that. And, frankly, her, her power set isn't really conducive to that. Like, think of the best fight scene we've had with her. It never was really all that crazy. I think maybe she had one with Simpson for, like, a minute in the first season that would probably be considered, like, one of the best fight scenes that she's had outside of the defenders and it, it you know it was never about the powers and never about the the feats of strength it's always been about the people and like you said man and and perfectly at that everybody in this show is their own worst enemy and jessica is obviously uh the prime example of that but even going back to season one like luke had a certain feel about that trish most certainly malcolm like everybody she's close to and and it's kind of funny in that way is that like they've all kind of found each other and like malcolm said to trisha at one point it's like they all have a hole in their soul and they're kind of trying to use one another to fill it and obviously trisha and malcolm found a way to fill another hole but that's neither here nor there (laughs) well malcolm filled filled many holes this season um and replacing his addiction with addiction to hooking up on tinder like it's yeah, he went from doing smack to Tinderellas. It's a it's an interesting choice, frankly. If this is something that would work, I think science needs to get behind this. Uh, <laughs> well, the the thing with uh, Malcolm too is that he's probably the character that has shown the most 
I guess if you want to call it growth, let's call it change, because I don't really know how much growing he did um, from season one to season two. And of course, a big part of that is the fact that Kilgrave was no longer in his head. But I mean, Malcolm, by the end of the season, is probably the one who seems the most well put together, but he still has his issues. He definitely does. I mean, he he went from and I was just kind of rewatching these episodes. He went from within, you know, uh, I guess a day or two, if you wanted to go with the storyline of not being friends with Trish anymore to jumping on her the second she showed up on the door. Like, yeah, he's got some serious addiction issues and his most recent addiction is women. And he's always had some sort of thing for Trish. Like, I guess I guess that was sort of like canon. I didn't realize it necessarily until Jessica said something to him about it in this season. But you can presume that it was you know, something that they probably discussed in a previous season, whether it made the show or not. Uh, and, 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 you know, he, he just can't say no. And that's, you know, that's a huge problem for people who have dealt with addiction issues is that ability to, you know, to, that, 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 that lack of willpower. And I guess Trish is now his new Tinder chick of choice. And hopefully he sticks with just Trish. And, you know, that, that'll be an interesting kind of uh, thing moving forward with not only those two hooking up, but then you obviously have Jessica and Oscar as well, who I'm not a fan of, but uh, I'm sure we'll get to that. Oh, uh, wait, so, wait, yeah, wait, the- wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Let's get into that now. I Because I, I liked Oscar. What didn't you like about Oscar? Um, I'm mostly, I, I didn't like that he wasn't Luke. Is that is that weird? Okay, no, that's <laughs> not like, weird at all. I can understand that yeah, completely. Especially coming out of Defenders. Like, you had those moments with Jessica and Luke where, you know, clearly, even though Luke is with... Um, uh, Claire, wow, I almost called her Rosario. We, I mean, we know. I'm sure people would have known what I was talking about, but nonetheless, um, yeah, like you could still tell that there's that tension there between the two of them, and there's still a lot of story to be told between Jessica and Luke, as far as I'm concerned. So seeing her branch off with Oscar, um, I, I didn't like him because he's not Luke, but at the same time, like for her character, it was really interesting to see her let her guard down with somebody else again, particularly, uh, you know, like another man outside of Luke, and particularly one who's got a kid. Like, she's very much aware of the complications that that brings into things, and she's even more aware of the complications that she brings into things. And, you know, it looks like everybody in that situation is kind of cool with with the, the path that they're choosing together. And I think that's great for for the Jessica Jones character. It's nice to for her to have somebody like that, considering she basically loses everybody else by the end of the season. And uh, I'm very intrigued to see where that picks up. And I'm obviously intrigued to see what happens if and when Luke reenters the picture or if, God forbid, something should happen to Oscar. Does she have to watch Vito? Like, well, there, there's so many things going on there. Uh, it, it was a good kind of fun relationship for them to throw in in the middle of the show. I just couldn't help but feel like this this season was so detached from from the defenders or anything that we saw there it's almost like they're trying to like write it out of our memory and as wrestling fans we know that that's a stern possibility that writers will just try to make us forget things that happened in the past oh yeah absolutely and there there was there was a fair bit of that this season um but you know to piggyback off the writing uh another pro- the pro- a problem that i had and and like i said i don't agree with necessarily the issues that you had with oscar but i understand that he's not luke and the fact that we didn't get any luke in here bothered me but samson one of the characters that came back from season 1 briefly in like a what like a third of an episode i was bothered that he wasn't in the season a little bit more yeah i was expecting him to have a much larger role almost be the villain in this particular thing and they were obviously teasing that for points because you see him creeping around and and you see all these crazy things happening but we don't really know who's doing them and you know you could easily have assumed it was it was him uh and and obviously he still got feelings for trish or did right up until the end 
And I, I definitely thought he was going to be a bigger part of all of this. I, I figured we'd see, you know, him just either get completely consumed by Kozlov's program and the drugs, and he would be the the big villain that we needed to take down, or maybe even Trish personally needed to take down as some sort of test to, you know, see which side I think she's on or how much she cares about him versus being the superwoman that she's desperately trying to be. Uh, but, but yeah, that was sort of underwhelming is not having a, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of will in this season. I, I fully expected him to be a much bigger part of it. Yeah. And like you said, they teased it like at the end of the season it, uh, to me that it seemed like they were firmly pointing at him being the villain or, or being a big part of it. So that bothered me. He went out like a chump too, like that. Yeah, that was a that's a tough last image to have is like you with your head turned sideways like. You know, you know that that's really messed up that he he went out that way, and uh, I, I guess it was kind of it was cool from the point like I almost imagine they finished season one and they had full intention of making him the bad guy, and then they used him to swerve us into what was ultimately the bad guy who wasn't really that bad of a guy, nor was she a guy. So uh, <laughs> you know that that was kind of a, a, a nice little kind of misdirection spot that they used there. So I guess if he were going to kill him earlier in the season, at least it served some sort of purpose. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, we're going to transition into that bad guy who's not so much a guy, but uh, we're going to take a brief break here. we got to pay some bills. Uh, listen to this uh, from UML, the Urban Mogul Life uh, Network, and we will be right back. Two to two. Pale dude. Point Dexter. Dale the Sauce King. And Damali. Live on Moguls on Sports every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on UrbanMogulLife.com for the most comprehensive and up to date news in the world of sports. So, Andrew Bella, the bad guy. Jessica Jones' fucking mom was in this. Like, it. When that reveal came, and then they even flashed back to show when she like basically just completely destroyed her first boyfriend, which contributes a lot to the trauma that Jessica has now. Like this is, it got deep. Like the show took a completely even deeper and darker turn. I feel like once they show that the villain technically was her mom. What, what was your initial reaction to that, Bello? Yeah, Are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here now. I couldn't hear Fuck, you. At I was. First. I was muted. I apologize. I, I thought I wasn't. All right, whatever. My computer's playing tricks on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of thought because I don't know anything from the comics for those listening to me talk about MCU stuff for the first time. Like I've never read the comics. So anything that I'm seeing on TV, I'm seeing and absorbing for the first time. So I kind of thought that the, her character and her sort of dark cynical outlook on life i thought that was all entirely derived from a losing her parents when she was a kid and b killgrave i didn't even know that like you know obviously the boyfriend and all that other kind of stuff with the and and then to ultimately find out that her mom was the one who killed the boyfriend uh it's it's really messed up like she's had such a terrible terrible life uh and and you could see why she's the way she is when you take all of those things into consideration but uh, and this is sort of the big theme for me throughout this whole thing. And uh, we'll get back to to uh, to her mother in a second. But it's like her and Trish are complete and utter opposites of one another. And that despite the fact that everything bad happens to Jessica, she's still a really good person who desperately portray, like tries to portray that she's a really shitty person. And then you have the complete opposite end of the spectrum with Trish, who is a really shitty person who tries desperately to portray that she's a really good person. And, and, and that storyline carries and develops all the way throughout this whole thing. And the, even with the fact that Jessica's mother is literally a monster murdering people, 
And Trish has the nerve to tell her, like, you need to do something about this while she can't seem to separate herself from her own mother, who's her own monster and, and all sorts of other ways. Uh, it, it's very ironic to me that 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 sort of became a main focus uh, is is not only Jessica's relationship with her mother, but Jessica's relationship with Trish and Trish's relationship with her mother kind of paralleling that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's seeing all of the darkness uh, from her past, including the car crash and how much that really does weigh on her now that she's sort of gotten Kilgrave out of her head. She's still got all this other terrible crap to deal with. And you could totally, again, see why she is sort of cynical and off put by just about anything other than helping her friends, which is, seems to be the one thing that she's consistent with and, and drinking, of course. Yeah, of course, drinking, which she does quite often. She even makes me look very mild in my drinking, but um, <laughs> no, I mean, so, Season two, when you really think about it, was season two the origin story to Jessica's true worst villain? Because season three has to now be Trish versus Jessica. Like, of course, it's probably still going to be a slow burn. Jessica doesn't know Trish did develop powers anyway, even though she stopped the process. But I I, I have to think that Trish is going to be the, the villain next season. But I mean, just like we thought that Samson may be for season two, they may completely swerve us and they'll be best friends by, by a third way into the season again. Yeah, they could, they could definitely go that route again. I, I definitely want to see them have like a, you know, maybe, maybe a sort of situation where uh, Trish is out as Hellcat and she's doing all this kind of stuff. Jessica's unaware of it and they run into one another. They have a fight and then they, you know, they sort of just kind of figure out who's who and they, you know, they kind of make up uh, at some point because I do want to see them team together somewhere down the line because I want to see them have to face an enemy that's worthy of them needing to team together. And, uh, and, you know, because we haven't had a ton of action in the first two seasons, uh, not that I'm complaining by any means, but I think we're due for a lot more, especially with a second powered person kind of entering the fray here in Trish now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely where we're headed as far as those two definitely are going to beef in this in this third season. I think we're going to look back on this season and say it's almost like like you said, the origin story of Hellcat or basically Hellcat season one in a lot of ways. Obviously, the focus is very much on Jessica, but the real development happens with Trish over the course of this where she's she's so desperate to be like Jessica that she basically like cast aside her career she cast aside her boyfriend she cast aside uh, even her relationship with Jessica ultimately at the end by doing what she did um, you know there's she is so desperate to be a superhero that she will literally get rid of anything else that matters to her and I, I think that is something that we were sort of aware of at the beginning of the season, heading out of season one, but we're most certainly, you can't ignore now how, how over the top her obsession with these powers or with being a superhero. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's really like a way above and beyond for her to do and sever all the ties. She severs with all these other people just for that one goal. She wants to help people that she doesn't even know, but she won't, you know, take the time to consider the people that love and care for her. That's how just crazy and obsessed she is about all this. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, they both kind of envy the place that each other have, like what they were born into. Trish envies the fact that Jessica has powers and Jessica in some ways envies Trish that she's been afforded all of the, all of these opportunities in this lifestyle without really ever earning it. Um, not that I, I think Jessica is jealous of it or anything, but I think that Jessica definitely looks at it like if I had uh, some semblance of normal in the, in the way that I grew up, that I'd be completely different. Um, so, I mean, I, I like the juxtaposition between those two characters, but we did. I mean, you, you talked about it uh, and we really couldn't talk about Jessica's mom without getting into it. 
the moment that Jessica's mom got shot and Trish was the one who did it, I don't get shocked by much in TV anymore. This season kept me guessing, and that doesn't happen because as wrestling fans, we are taught, we're kind of, not bred, but we're kind of trained to always kind of look at what storylines may be developing next. This season I couldn't do, but I just didn't think that they would go through with Trish killing Jessica's mom. Yeah, that was a that's a big blow. And you know what? I would because I was rewatching this particular episode, there was that whole exchange that Trish had with Jessica right after she visited uh, Jessica's mom. And she comes back and she pulls her out of Oscar's apartment and she says to her, like, look, like we've we've got to stop your mother. Like this is this is way out of control. She's an animal. And Jessica looks her right in the eye and says, like, she's my mother and you don't get a say in this. And sure enough. Trish made sure that she had the final say in it because, again, she's just so damn obsessed with being the hero or the superhero or the the one that's that's making the hard decision, even though, again, like she can't make the hard decisions in her personal life. But she seems to be so quick to make them for everybody else, including killing her best friend's mother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's she just inserts herself in a, in a lot. I mean, and let's let's also talk about what Trish did on top of killing her best friend's mother. She threatened Malcolm's sobriety by just making him take this inhaler, which we didn't talk about either. Like she got her first taste of powers with this inhaler that Samson was using that he dropped after he died. Um, She's just she's a dick. Like when you really stop to think about it, I don't know how else to explain it. She's a dick. Yeah. If you watch like the first two episodes of first season of Jessica Jones, like you would swear up and down. Trish is like this wonderful, perky, innocent flower and Jessica is just this monstrous troll who happens to, you know, look kind of good with her black hair and her fair skin. And then, like, by the time we've now reached the end of season two, we're like, oh, my God, like, Trish is this terrible, terrible person at her core. And then as much as Jessica likes to pretend she is, she really is just like she cannot say no and she cannot bear to, like, have a friend that she could help without helping. She's trying to help her mother, who's killed a bunch of people. She's she's dating Oscar, even though Oscar was a total dick to her and is also a, sort of a felon on the side. And yeah, that stands very much against a lot of what she stands for. But she she likes him so much, and she just wants to you know to to I guess kind of have that sen- sense of normalcy that you were mentioning with Trish's upbringing. She now has like, she's got like a man and a, and basically a kid. And, you know, this is sort of like her version of the, the house with the picket fence around it, or at least as close as it's possibly going to get for Jessica Jones. So yeah, there's a, there's, there's just, I mean, there's just so much stuff that we could, we could probably keep going on this for like another two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Jerry or Hargoth. Oh was, Yeah. Uh, Hogarth. Hogarth. Yeah, we haven't even touched on her, who she had a pretty interesting storyline as well with the whole cancer thing and then the fake superpower person uh, teasing, not really teasing, but um, convincing her that he could heal her. And they, she just got conned. And what she did at the end of them to turn his girlfriend against her, I mean, I'm, I'm really condensing a pretty long storyline here just to talk about it. Um, when she manipulated her into shooting him, like, again, this show is dark as hell, and it, it's it's so layered. But man, that that was a. I think that they did a, a better job than they did with her in season one of actually making making us feel for her in a sense, and her not just being this lawyer um, who just sits behind a desk. Like 
she's she'd appeared in this Iron Fist and I think did she appear in Defenders? I, I don't remember, but this was the best season she's been a part of so far, at least for her character development. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think she she was in Defenders. And speaking of kind of crossovers in some respect, Foggy Nelson making an appearance in the season was awesome. I love Foggy from Daredevil, and it was kind of cool to see him pop up even if for, for a segment or two, basically, because uh, he does work for Hogarth now. And, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff was cool, but, uh, it's almost like she's got the, uh, to draw back to the dark night again, right? Like, uh, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Well, in this case, Hogarth's like darkness was even darker right after the light. Basically a complete inverse of that is she actually was turning it around. It seemed like she was actually going to become a better person because she got the second crack at life. And then she discovers that none of that is actually true. And she not only went back to being the, the you know, the, the, the uptight hag that she was before. Now she's like vindictive and she's got a she's got a you know, she's she's got a short lifespan. And she's going to make a whole lot of people pay for it. And that's certainly what it looks like coming out of the you know, coming out of the end of this season here. She's assembled her team to some degree. She's got Malcolm. She's got Chang and uh, and maybe at some point she pulls Trish into this and creates like just the. You know, the full blown Mount Rushmore of Jessica Jones villains all in kind of one shot here. Uh, There's there's definitely, you know, some some stuff that's going to be going on with her in season three. We would hope if it even gets that far, it might pop up in Daredevil, might pop up in any of these other shows, because I I did see that it looks like Iron Fist is going to be a big part of Luke Cage, which is going to be really cool. They're going to work some of the hero for hire shit into that. But uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. Uh, so yeah, Hogarth definitely had the most development, uh, for her in a single season, uh, without a doubt. So I, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And you, you mentioned, I mentioned first and we talked about defenders. Did it feel like to you that defenders happened at all? Cause this just, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They just, they just completely ignored it. Ignored it. They built to something for what? Three, three years and just, Yeah. Just and then you hear rumors that are uh, or read stuff and articles that have been posted that they may not even be planning to do another defender season. That's just that blows my mind. See, that to me would be a real disappointment because it's like here you have an opportunity. Yeah, the defender season was very much underwhelming. I think anybody who really followed all these things would probably agree. Uh, it wasn't bad, it just wasn't nearly like the like if Infinity War is like even like a three-star movie it's just not going to be anywhere near as as up as up there as we all thought like we have the bar set really high for infinity war people who followed the mcnu i think had a similarly high bar for the defenders there was a lot of characters we wanted to see interact and a lot of stories that they could have told and they told the story and they interacted but it just wasn't quite as magnificent as we all kind of thought it would be now you could come back with season two of the defenders, even if it's not for another couple of years, you add on Punisher, you add on Hellcat, you add on, you know, whoever else manages to come up with some powers between now and then you create a really giant monstrous villain that all of them really need to get together and defeat, uh, in some way, shape or form. And it, they, they could use it as an opportunity to say, you know what? We fucked up the first time, but we're going to just, we are going to club you over the head with awesome this time around. We're going to pull all the tricks out of the bag. And yeah, I think the issue for them is that they have like this weird shooting schedule. Like they should be shooting defenders intermittently as they're shooting all these other shows. They're on the set. They got the actors there instead of like waiting for it to all be its own thing and its own shooting time. I think they could be, you know, pulling little clips out, you know, take a day from in the middle of shooting Jessica Jones, bring daredevil on set. Let's shoot some scenes. Let's put together an episode or two and keep moving forward with it. Uh, but, but to, to kind of separate it out entirely and for it to be its own thing, 
uh, I think it first and foremost, it creates sort of a, a lag in the MCNU where we all really just want that next show to come out. And it's it's kind of putting a gap in there that doesn't need to be. And and then also, I'm sure it's not cheap to put all these talent on stage or on screen at the same time. And they're not you know, they're getting the same return on that show as they are any other show because you pay 10 bucks a month or whatever it is. And that's that's all you're really getting from the Netflix end of things. So uh, I, I can almost understand why they don't want to. But I'm sort of. I don't know. I'm sort of disappointed that they they aren't going to see this as a challenge and use it to 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 really wow us with a second season. I mean, it's all rumors right now, and and they have it improved is. improved their shooting schedule because at first there was literally they would film one show, wait a few months, film the next show, and that's why we had like years between seasons. Well, like a year between shows at one point. Um, and now they've basically filmed, like they filmed this. I believe Luke Cage is done now. Uh, Daredevil, I think, is filming now. So they, they've they've done them, like kind of overlap some of the filming of them. And hopefully now, if, if all four of these shows get a good response, a great response again, I mean, let's hope that they still have another plan for Defenders. I feel like they that they do owe us one. Even if they don't do, uh, what was it, eight episodes? Like really, truly... If you gave us three three great episodes of the Defenders, that's a three hour movie. That's enough. I was gonna say, yeah, give me a movie. Don't even give me a full season. Give me one, two, two and a half hour movie, and I'd be completely fine with that. Especially like I said, if you cram in all the extra characters, like you know, I love Colleen. You get her in the mix. Maybe she gets some sort of powers. Uh, you, you've got uh, Misty Knight with the bionic arm. You've got Hellcat now entering the fray. You've got the Punisher. You've got you know Foggy Nelson has worked his way up Hogarth. Maybe he's got some sort of legal pull. He could be a more significant character and pull some strings the way Hogarth was doing back when she wasn't so completely evil which i assume she will be um so you know there, there's plenty of things that they could do uh, but i don't yeah like you said like I, I'd, I'd much rather have like a good quality short form whether it's three episodes or one movie or two short movies or you know just, it doesn't need to be crazy like don't 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 overextend yourself there's a lot to work with uh you know work about work give me the quality work on the detail and give me something like even if it's even if it's an hour and you give it to us once a year it's great like that's an hour more than i'm i'm getting right now at least <laughs> exactly uh, make that happen make that happen well bello is that it is there anything you have left to say on jessica jones i do have another question for you about the uh mc in you wherever we're calling it but uh as far as jessica jones before you put uh, a fork in this one anything you got left to say one thing and um we get sort of debaucherous here on the wake soul every so often so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question did you happen to notice that there was a lot more ass shots of Kristen ritter over the course <laughs> of this season than there was in the first season absolutely absolutely like in it like it, it was a noticeable amount it wasn't because i was just looking for it i know how the rewind button works like i can go back and see it if there was a particularly good one they even had a guy tell her she has a nice ass at some point during the season so clearly they figured out how to sexualize this otherwise un, you know i mean she's good looking but otherwise the character in and of itself is rather unsexy she's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a leather jacket the, like the 95% same of the time. jeans 95 yes. percent of the time so not even just jeans the same one since season one. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they found a way to sex her up a little bit, which uh, obviously I'm not going to complain about. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe she did her squats and she was just like, you know what? Go ahead. You guys can shoot my ass as much as you want to. And the directors just took it. Which is it really sexualized? Because this season was all female directors and I believe female writers as well. See, this is how you know 
that this all of this like don't sexualize us thing total bullshit like yeah that, that's half the reason Kristen Ritter is on screen is because she's she's somewhat sexy in some way shape or form right like she's not winning any Oscars anytime soon she's good in this role but it's just you know come on come on like that's half the reason she's there if she was a moderately good looking chick she wouldn't be Jessica Jones well see and that I, I guess I differ there because I do think she's only moderately good looking personally yeah. Um, she's got she's got an interesting look about her. She's like she's she's, she's definitely unique in that sort looking. of somewhat exotic way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not touching that other thing you said with a ten foot pole, Bello. Uh, <laughs> we have oh, a I'll re- touch it with a ten foot pole. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're gonna take a brief break. We're gonna come back, and I have a question about the uh, Netflix universe before we go ahead and let Bello go. I'm holding hostage for another couple of minutes. Help. <laughs> All right, Bello. So, we got a couple more shows coming, um, and I, I thought about this question because Punisher was very much kind of like just like we, what we talked about with Jessica Jones. It was it, a he's not even a superhero, so it wasn't based off that, but it was it was a show that definitely made you think. And that one I think was underlined was PTSD and trauma in a way there too, because I think Russo suffered from his fair share of trauma as well from being in the war. He just dealt with it differently. Yeah. Are we getting to a point now where? Are they using these comic book characters as as really kind of just a jumping off point to tell deeper stories like this for and I, and I love the um, Arrow universe uh, as far as Green Arrow. Um, well, the show is just called Arrow Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Supergirl. I love those shows, but those are very much superhero shows. Those are still what, what if you thought what you thought about superhero shows growing up, they're still very much that this Netflix one. A, because of the platform it's on, it's already allowed to be a little bit more adult. But I, I even if we're calling it phase one of the MCNU, wasn't really as as really thought-provoking, I would say, in, in a way that Punisher and Jessica Jones have started off this new phase, in my opinion. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're I mean, you nailed it with the uh with the comment that I think they are more or less just using these characters to tell more in-depth stories. And it it's just you know, realistically, if Daredevil wasn't a superhero, that that show wouldn't be all that crazy different. It would be a blind lawyer, New York and his friends and how they get together and all the weird complexes that come around. Yeah, he happens to fight crime at night. But, you know, Matt Murdock's life is really Matt Murdock's life and, and foggy and Karen and, you know, his relationship ultimately with Frank in some respect. Obviously, that came through Daredevil. But it's you know, it is more about Matt Murdock than it is about Daredevil. And Jessica Jones is obviously way more about jessica jones than it is the fact that she's this super strong woman and luke cage it's it's about you know obviously all the racial implications and all that kind of stuff that they channel into the luke cage show uh it's really more about those issues than it is about the bulletproof uh guy that's in the center of all of it so uh, yeah, I think you, I think you completely nailed it there. Frank, in particular, with the he's an ex-military guy. He's got the PTSD angle that they're that they're using, and that obviously fits. Um, I, I think it it is very different because I actually have started watching some of the DC universe over on WB or whatever they're calling it these days, CW. And uh, you're right, like those are very much like superhero shows. These are shows that just happen to feature superheroes. Yeah, and and I just I, I it, it's maybe. After the Defenders, I was kind of not down because, like I said, each individual season except Iron Fist, I was just blown away by. But this, these two sh- seasons of uh, Punisher and Jessica Jones so far have really kind of 
just refreshing me. And I've almost forgot defenders as much as they seem like they forgot it in this season of Jessica Jones. But yeah. um, it, it, it's refreshing in a way because when you when you hear people talk about uh, the superhero genre in, in movies and and uh, you know just in general, this is really how it can evolve and not really it doesn't matter that it's a superhero movie it, it it because it's about more than that and marvel in the mcu has been doing that where each each um movie really is like has a subgenre like cap was very much espionage in 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 um the winter soldier it wasn't just a superhero yep. movie and i i really i'm really liking where i'm seeing this going and as someone who does is a fan of the comics who did re- re- read these characters there um to bring it to life in this in this form and and just make it its own unique thing while still keeping with the lore still keeping with the um continuity that was built there in the canon but it's it's making it kind of art artful in a sense and people may hear me say then are you really getting that out of jessica jones but it really is like when you sit back and really unpack this and you said it we can go on another two days about this there's so much here that you can talk about what happened in 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 this show and really, her being super powered would probably be like tenth, if not further down the list, if you really want to talk about some of the the larger themes in this show. Exactly, and I mean another topic that we could definitely talk about is the is how much better the Marvel universes are defined than the DC EU and the and the TV universes, and in in such a way that Marvel thought ahead and said we need to keep these. TV characters, TV characters, and they manage to keep them on a street level, but still are impactful and powerful enough to combat, you know, other villains that are powered or whatever the case may be. Whereas you got like on the DC side of things, like you've got a a movie flash and a TV flash. Like they didn't even think that far ahead. So with, with the MCNU, uh, MCNU, uh, Netflix, like, yeah, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Punisher, Daredevil, all awesome heroes. But I think we can all recognize that they're not nearly on the tier of a Captain America and Iron Man, a Thor. Like, they really don't have all that much business interacting with one another. Uh, maybe Scarlet, uh, you know, Scarlet. Um, uh, 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 wow. Black uh, Widow. Scarlet Johansson. Yeah, yeah, that's why I wanted to say Scarlet Witch. And then I just jumped. Yeah, Black Widow uh, or Sam or. um or even you know there there's some characters on on the MCU movie level that maybe could interact with some of these guys potentially Hawkeye like another one but at the end of the day like there's really no need for Cap or Black Widow or any of these people to like hey we're in New York let's call Jessica Jones and see if she can help us out like she really probably wouldn't be all that much help in some of the battles that they're fighting and I thought that's kind of a cool thing that they did as much as I'd love to see all of these characters on the big screen one day I don't think we ever will and I think that's by design and if they're going to do it that way they're at least executing it well yeah and I don't think we'll ever see them on the big screen I I think that there's if they go into that making a Netflix Defenders movie, um, who's to say that they don't hit up Happy Hogan and he gives them some tech or, you know, just some of the smaller characters like that. Um, I think that they can do that. I think that they should have done that. Like, Coulson should have showed up in one of these shows by now. Um, (laughs) Oh, man, are we ever going to see Coulson again other than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, it's not, especially now with the storyline they're doing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where he's basically going to be dead. Um, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. We'll Uh, see. We'll see, but... Uh, Col- never bet on Colson dying. He, he's he, yeah. He he may never die. But uh, yeah, man. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I would like to see some connectivity, even if it's if it's only it flowing into the Netflix side and not necessarily the big screen. But I need to see something other than just 
little references that mention it. Like, hell, I would at this point, I would take Jessica Jones walking down the street and stepping in like Hawk's footprint from the Battle of New York. Something that he just left there. Like just something. I, I don't know. It, but I just yeah. want to see like uh, give me like Spider-Man just swinging through the background. Like I don't even need yeah. him to be part of the seed or anything, but just like whoosh like oh wait, what? You don't even need to pay, you know, the kid who plays Spider-Man to be in that. That's CGI. Just boom, like there he is. Uh, you know, there's little things like that I think they could do uh, and they could definitely pile on the references more. Frankly, I'm sort of surprised that like the conversations in the MCU and you or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like aren't entirely focused on the events from the movies. Like we're talking about like cataclysmic events. And, yeah, they reference New York every so often. But it's like, how could that not be something you reference almost every day if you live through alien invasion in the middle of New York? Like, you know, that, that's that's world shifting. That's something that everyone would forever remember. Like think about. You know, God, not to not to obviously cre- compare the 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 real event to the to the the fictional event, but like imagine nine eleven. If there was fucking aliens involved, like you would never ever stop talking about that day. That is the craziest thing that's ever happened, and that's what happened in the MCU. And yet, sort of like life has just gone on for people around there. Well, I mean, everything I think eventually you stop. Just like we don't talk about nine eleven every day, people in New York probably don't talk about it every day. So I can kind of understand it, especially when you know, yes, you were invaded by aliens, but then like a couple years later, there were apparently just robots running all over the place that took over the world uh, yeah, or attempted like you, to. Like, <laughs> so at that point, you could actually <laughs> feasibly prep for a zombie apocalypse, and it wouldn't be that crazy. <laughs> exactly. A uh, Walking Dead Marvel crossover. Over. let's make it happen marvel Whoa. zombies is a thing people it is a thing um all right but, I'm to look but, into that oh you don't know oh yeah definitely look into marvel zombies it's it's, it's amazing uh but yeah that's any- how we get cap back folks that's <laughs> how we get them back. all right <laughs> oh man um well bello i mean that was a dope mcu discussion slash jessica jones uh review <sighs> Tell the people where they can find you, Bello. All right. Well, you can find me over on Twitter at BelloBeingBello. And if you happen to be a fan of professional wrestling, you can find me over on the Wrestling World Podcast Network. That's uh, the WWPN.com for all of our shows there. I'm also on uh, the Locker Room on Wednesdays over on Hameen Media Group. That's Hacker Hameen Media. Type that in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever the you know your podcast may be. We're probably there. And uh, you know I couldn't get off without without getting this out there. Trump over Biden, second round. No problem walking off without breaking a sweat. <laughs> that was one of our funny, funniest text exchanges, by the way, when I uh, we texted about that fight. Yeah, I, there's Biden's heart might give out on him in the first five minutes. I think I think if I think Biden like Biden, I'm, I'm not going to try and get I'm not going to disparage anybody on the left. But I think Biden is just talking a big game. And if you ever actually put Trump across from him, he'd just shit his pants and run home. <laughs> oh, one of these days, Bello, I can't wait till you get frustrated by something Trump does. And I'm I'm just going to immediately oh, call I'm very, you. Uh, you know what? As of right now, I'm very pissed off about this budget that he just signed. So, yeah, I'm, it, the day has come, folks. I'm not very happy with the Donald today. Well, people tease that. That may be a Stay Woke segment on the next episode of The Awakened Soul because I have to pick Andrew's brain about that. But I am CEO Hayes. This has been The Awakened Soul, episode 40. Bello, 40 episodes. You were on episode two, I believe. We're 40 episodes into The Awakened Soul, man. This has just been a crazy journey. This really has been. Yeah, 40 episodes. Wow, yeah. I just hit like 81 with Next Level last week, and that's you know that's been pretty much since since me and you have started this venture together, at least in some respect. That's when I joined you, rather. 
Uh, and wow, like 80 weeks have gone by for that. 40 weeks have gone by or 40 episodes have gone by uh, for The Awakened Soul Man. Well, congratulations for getting to 40. To 40 more and 40 more after that and 40 more after that. Brother, keep doing your thing, man. I'm happy to be aboard, as always. I appreciate it. Well, we are going to sign off. We'll be looking for Bello next week. Definitely reach out to him. Check out Next Level as well. For anyone who likes wrestling, you know what? Next Level, you never know what you can get. So even if you don't like wrestling, download the goddamn podcast because it it, it it's Bello. It, it'll be a little bit of everything. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely Bello. It's Bello being Bello. <laughs> so that's it. That was episode 40 of The Awakened Soul Wait to episode 50. I got some big plan for episode 50. I'm already looking 10 episodes ahead, um, which is a mere 10 weeks away. But thank you, Andrew Bello, for joining me this week. That's my brother in arms. Let's go ahead and follow me at CEO Hayes. That's at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. Send any feedback, questions, comments, concerns to theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. We're working on the website for The Awakened Soul, so that... I may be able to announce that next week. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. But that has been episode forty. I will see you guys next week. Peace. I love each and every one of you. When the rain hits my window, I take it. Me some endo. Me and Timberland. We sang a dango. We so tight that you get our styles tangled. Sway your dosi do like you loco. Can we get? Night like Coco, so so. You wanna play with my yo yo? I smoke my hydro on the D lo. The keys to the Jeep. I'm driving to the beach. Top down, loud sound, see my peace. Give them pounds now, look who it be. It be me, 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 and Timothy.